Would you also applaud him as he comes and talks today? Thank you, Richard. Oh, I love your intros. Always so affirming. And you set the expectation of the bar so high, so I always walk up here so nervous. Lovely. What a lovely mix. Yeah, no, it has been an amazing year of interns. It's been a real blessing to, to be with the guys, and I shall be sad when we say goodbyes on Tuesday. Uh, and so if you guys are thinking about, you know, what can this year hold for me, and you really want to dive into what God's got for you, then, you know, have a think about the internship. It really is a, a great year, a great year of heart surgery, if anything. Well, you can see the screen behind me, and as Rich has already mentioned, we're talking about prayer. And our series, as you know, is entitled Day and Night Until, which is looking at intercessory prayer, standing in the gap between God and man, praying in the prayers of heaven, praying in God's promises. And I think we're at probably message eight or nine. We've spent a while in here. And uh, so we will continue to look at a New Testament prayer this morning. And you know, when I was preparing for this message, I thought, well, probably a good place to start is in the Bible. So uh, I went for my Bible and I thought, well, I'm going to start looking through the New Testament for a prayer. So I started in Acts, started reading through Acts, da, 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 da. Acts 4.23, I love that prayer. Prayer of boldness and courage. Oh, wait a minute. Whoops. Anine's already done that prayer. Oh. And by the way, if you missed that, I would encourage you to listen to it. It's entitled, How to Pray When Life Gets Tough. And who knows that life can get tough. So I figured, well, I better carry on. Kept reading through Romans. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope. I love that prayer. Wait a minute. I've already done that prayer. Ah, oh, shucks. So I couldn't do that one. So I kept reading through. Got to Ephesians. Ephesians 1. I love that prayer. Oh, Chris has done it. See, that's the thing about being up when you're like eight or ninth message, you know. It's like all the prayers have gone. But thankfully, the, the, old, the, the New Testament contains many prayers. Anyway, I get to the end of Paul's letters, and I'm like, oh, there's not much left of the New Testament left. Please, Lord, I don't want to end up in Revelation. I mean, you know, that would be challenging. I'm a rookie after all. Um, but good news, I read Hebrews, and at the end of Hebrews, bang, there it is, the prayer that God wants to, for us to look at this morning. And it was as if the text leapt up off the page. You know when you're reading and like, there's like a spotlight. And after I got past the few, thank you Lord, I'm not preaching out of Revelation. Um, and I really meditated and dwelt on the scripture. I could see why God had wanted to bring this message to us. You see, the truth is every Sunday we come here, God has a specific message for us, a word in season. And this morning is no different. See, the message God has for us this morning for us is this. He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. A purpose and a plan for each one of us. You see, the truth is, we are not here by chance. And I mean here, I mean St. Albans, but I also mean here as in this planet. You know, our, our paths are not dictated by fate. It's not like we're in some kind of cosmic roulette table, you know, we just kind of hope that we land on the right number. You know, our lives are not like that. God has a part for us to play in the family business, as we so often say here at the Vineyard. And you know, for some of us, that question, why am I here, what is my purpose, might be top of mind. Or for others of us, it may not be something that we consciously think of, you know. I'm just getting through life, thank you very much. I don't have such time for such grandiose thoughts. But the truth is, whether you are actively thinking about that question or not, it is a question which sits at the core of our very being. Whether you realize it or not, many of us operate out of that position of, why am I here? What is my purpose? 
You know, as a father of three, I've often talked about my kiddies up here. Um, I'm becoming very accustomed to the why questions. In fact, my Lucy, who's uh, for coming on 14, it feels like, um, (laughs) she is the master of the why questions. In fact, everything is pretty much a why question. And uh, you parents out there will know. And um, I'm kind of seeing a trend, a kind of categorization of why questions emerging. So you see, we've got the first category of why questions. Now, these why questions are very tricky, but they, they can be answered. Questions such as, Daddy, why is the sky blue? Well, that's a good question. Or, Daddy, why is the grass green? You see, I say tricky because it's not until you're asked that question, you think, actually, it's a really good question. Why is the sky blue? And uh, yeah, I really don't know that answer. I kind of had to dig down into my mind and pull out my GCSE science notes. That still didn't help. But then you've got the next category of why questions. And these why questions don't actually have a right or wrong answer. In fact, you'll never have a right answer for these. They're questions that go along the lines of this. Daddy, I'm really enjoying this food. It's really tasty. I say, oh, Lucy, darling, I love the fact that the food's tasty and you're enjoying it. Daddy, why is it tasty? Why am I enjoying it? I don't know. You're the one that asked me. You know, you're never going to be able to answer that one correctly. There is no right or wrong answer. But then we move into the last category of why questions. The most dangerous of why questions. Once you're in, you'll never get out. You know, have you been there before? Some heads nodding. You know, it's like this circular why thing. You're just there and there and there. I remember last winter I was um, taking Lucy and Ellie, my other little one, uh, somewhere. And we got in the car and it was a bit cold, so I didn't put the blowers on initially. And my little Lucy, smart as she is, said, Daddy, uh, is there a reason why you haven't put the heating on? I thought I could answer that. It's a category one. Um, It's because the, the car's not warm enough yet. Daddy, why is the car not warm enough yet? Oh, we're moving into category three. This is dangerous territory. It's because the engine's not warm enough. What was I doing mentioning engines? I mean, I was well and, well and truly in that circular Y thing, and then I'd start talking about pistons and spark plugs. It was just, eventually, I just had to escape and say, Daddy knows best. You know, sometimes it's the only answer. <laughs> but the truth is, the, the, this why question, you know, why are we here? What is my purpose? Does itself beg another why question, doesn't it? Why is it such an important foundational question? Why is it a question that baffles and perplexes philosophers? Why is it a question that scholars have spent so much time trying to figure out? A question which both the young and the old ask. Well, you see, it's this. It's because it has, at its heart, our inherent need to fulfill our design. It has, at its heart, the fact that we will never truly move in our peace and fulfillment until we do that which God has purposed in us. That is why it is a question at our heart. I mean, let's look at this world. It's on the brink of madness. A world of shattered dreams. A world of broken lives. A world of people desperately trying to answer that question, why am I here? What is my purpose? A world where people are desperately trying to find their place in society. You know, if there was ever a time for this question to be answered, now is the time. And the good news is, this prayer that we're going to look at answers that very question for us. And not only that, if that wasn't good news enough, it also provides the provision for walking in God's purpose for us. You see, our God is not some kind of distant, madcap creator God, as often depicted in those, you know, sci-fi movies that creates something, sets it off, and then sits back in his armchair with a notepad and says, right, let's see what happens. 
No, our God is not like that. The God that created you and me is a God that also sustains us. A God that has a plan for us and provides a way for us. That is the God that we are talking about and worshipping this morning. Who knows the very number of hairs on our head. And so this morning I believe that God has a fit for purpose sticker. That he was wanting to put on each one of our hearts this morning. And so the title of this message this morning is simply this. Our purpose, his provision. So we're going to pray and then we're going to get into this prayer together. Lord, I thank you that you are worthy of all honor and of all praise. I thank you that you not only created us, but you sustain us. That you not only have a purpose for us, but you have a path for us. I thank you that you have a fit for purpose sticker that you are wanting to put on each one of our hearts this morning. God, prepare our hearts to hear your word. Would your word take root in our hearts and bear fruit for your glory, I pray. And Jesus, would you anoint me afresh to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. If you have a Bible with you, please turn there. I know some of us use uh, tablets and, and smartphones. It's also on the screen behind me if you don't have it. Okay, let me read this for us. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us that which is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, well, I figured that the best place to start is probably the beginning. So uh, that's kind of Sermon 101. So let's start with the beginning. Now may the God of peace. Now, you know, as we've been looking at these prayers, what we've noticed is that these prayers will start typically with a declaration or a title for God. You know, we looked at, now may the God of hope, in Romans, there's may the God of peace and comfort. And you know, it's not as if the writers, you see, decided to get to the prayer part of the, of the letter and they got to the end and said, right, I've got to do the prayers. So here we go. Now may the God of, now where's my list? Oh, hope, no, I've used that to the Romans. They needed that. Uh, comfort, no, I use that for the, for the Ephesians. Definitely need that. No, it wasn't like that. You see, under the, the inspiration, the influence of the Holy Spirit, there was a title and a declaration for a specific purpose. You know, we've already unpacked and seen one of those purposes, and that is so that at the start of these prayers, we focus and honor God for who he is. We start by, with praise, you know, we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Thank you that you are the God of peace. But you know, there is another reason that I want to unpack for us this morning. And it is this, that the prayers will typically start with a declaration of who God is because the writer is wanting to set the scene, kind of provide a context for the rest of the prayer. If you like a lens by which we see what comes next. You know, may the God of hope we saw, Romans uh, 15 verse 13, the prayer was about hope. So the, given that context, given that the writer is trying to provide that for us, the question we need to ask ourselves at this point is this. Number one, what does the writer mean by peace, God of peace? What kind of peace is he talking about? And the second question we should ask ourselves is, why has he chosen to provide that lens for us before we read the rest of the prayer? So let us answer the first question. What does it mean by peace? Well, you know, when we looked at the hope prayer, it said, as you trust in him, he will fill you with all joy and peace. 
And, you know, we reference Philippians 4, 6, which, as you know, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, present your request to God with thanksgiving. That's trust. And then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, a peace that we can walk in here and now so that we can do and achieve all that God has for us. But you see, this peace that the writer is talking about is a different kind of peace. May the God of peace, this is peace with God. Another way to look at it is reconciliation with God. Romans 5.1, if you've got a pen, write this down. Romans 5.1, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that simply means that since we are looked at by God as just and holy, because of the faith that we have in Christ Jesus and the work on the cross, because A, he took our sins and bore the penalty of those sins, but B, his righteousness was imputed to us, often called double imputation. Because the righteousness of Christ is in us and we believe in him, we are seen as just, therefore we have peace with God. And you see, that's the gospel message, isn't it? You know, when Adam and Eve were, were before the fall, they had peace with God. And yet they decided to disobey God and eat the apple. And what happened? Sin came into the world. And as it says in Romans, there was enmity between God and man. And so the gospel message is that ever since that, that time, God has been coming down to us and preparing a way for us that we can have reconciliation with him. He sent his only son to bear those sins that we can move into peace with him. And that's the kind of peace that we're talking about here. And you know, it says, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus... You see, that line there is not unrelated to may the God of peace. You see, the writer uses that to show the peace that he's talking about here. It's through Christ's blood, as we've talked about. Acts 2.24 is another great scripture. But God raised him from the dead, obviously being Christ, freeing him from the agony of death. Why? Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's the power that we're talking about here. You see, Christ was fully God and fully man. And in his humanness, he became the spotless, blemish-free sacrifice for us. And his blood was spotless, and so death had no hold on him. And he was raised. And that's what we're talking about, reconciliation with God. And we also see it says eternal. Can you see that? I love, I love God. I love the gospel. I love the message of peace because it doesn't have a timestamp on it. It doesn't have a best before date. You know, thankfully, when we reconcile with God, it doesn't say, right, we're reconciled and you've got 10 years. You know, it's not like that. It is an eternal peace. Thank you, God, for that. And so, what we're seeing at the start to answer that question, what are we talking about here? We see that may the God of peace is talking about our position in God. Reconciled with Him. He is our Father, we are His. You see that? What we're talking about here is position. So the next question then is, why has the writer chosen, chosen to start the prayer around peace and position in him? And that leads us to the next question. Well, the answer is this, and I'd encourage you to write this down. This is the truth here. A right understanding of position leads to a right understanding of purpose. Just think about that for a moment. A right understanding of position leads to a right understanding of purpose. You see, in today's world, it's the other way around. We have to do this, that, and the other, and then we will find our position. Then we will find who we truly are. Have you experienced that? I have. 
You know, we talked about the internship. It's been a wonderful year. But I found myself in a kind of transition period between this, that. I've got no idea what the that is yet. But what I've discovered in, in my kind of transition of not, let's say, doing stuff is it's been revealed in my heart that I had looked to what I did to define who I was. And it wasn't until God stripped that back that I was like, well, who am I, God? And he said, you are in me first. He, God had always intended for our position to be in him and purpose flows out position. It's not purpose then position. And so what the writer here is doing for us, in only a few words, but how much depth, is that we need to look at our purpose through the lens of positioning God first, that peace comes through God, that we are in Christ Jesus. Because unless we have that, when we read the rest of the prayer, we will either misread the purpose, or worse, we'll completely, completely miss it. Okay, so we're there with the start. May the God of peace. So that is our position. Let us move on to the next P of the morning, which is our purpose. And uh, we'll unpack this together. It says, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Right, there is three parts to our purpose here that we are going to unpack together. Let's look at the first one, doing his will. Now, looking through the lens of our position in Christ, this is the first important point I want to make. The emphasis here is not on the doing, it's on the his will. What do I mean by that? John 15, the parable of the vine. We all know that story, don't we? We are called to, to abide in the vine, abide in Christ. That is our position, so that... We may bear fruit. That is our purpose. You see, when you are in the right position, purpose flows out of that. It's a fruit of that. It's not about the doing. It's about abiding. And the rest comes. The purpose will come. We can look at another scripture that that affirms that. By the way, don't you love the way the word affirms itself? I just love that. What a word we have. Okay, let's look at the second one. Ephesians 2.10. It says that God has prepared good works for us before time began. And I love the way the ESV in the King James renders the end of that verse. It says, so that we may walk in them. You see, that speaks of effortlessness, doesn't it? Walk in them. It's not about the doing, because God has actually prepared those works for us already. You see, if we learn to abide in Christ and know our position is in him... The purpose isn't about doing, it's about walking in that which God has for us. You see that? You know, if we don't get and understand that position comes first, what we do is we read this, and we read doing his will, and we go, ah, doing, I've got to do, I've got to do. And what it does, it feeds that feeling that we've got to do to get our, our, our position in Christ. It feeds that, but it's completely wrong. It's not about the doing, it's walking in what God has for us. There's another reason why understanding position is important before we look at purpose. You see, if we don't get that he is God and we are his, that he died for us and we are his children, then when we read this, we go, oh, I don't want to do God's will. It's about me, isn't it? Surely. Doesn't the world say the world's mantra is do whatever you want to do. As long as it makes you feel happy and doesn't hurt anyone, you do it. What does Paul say about that subject? Romans 12.1. I love, love, love this verse. He says, brothers and sisters, he's talking to fellow believers, I urge you, 
in light of what God has done for you, in light of his mercy, in light of the fact that even when we're enemies with God, he sent his only son to die for you so that you can have peace with God, now offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Does it not say that? Holy and acceptable to God. And in some versions it says, that is your reasonable act of worship. It's reasonable for us to do his will because the truth is, is that without him we wouldn't even be here or sustained by him. And so you see what happens when we don't get that position that he is God. We think, whoa, I'm not going to do his will. And what the enemy then does, he seeds this lie. And I'm, I'm sure we've all heard it. I've heard it. Well, hold on. If you, if you do God's will and you say yes to God, he's going to take everything good away from you. Have you heard that? That thing you enjoy, forget it. God doesn't want you to do it. But here is, an, here is this kingdom principle and kingdom truth. And this is something the enemy would want to block our ears to hear because it's so life-changing. When we truly align with God's will, what we find is that he fulfills our heart's desires. That is the truth. That's what the enemy is trying to stop us from hearing. It's in God and doing his will that we find we are most fulfilled. That's the truth of it. I bear witness to that. It's happened in my life. Anybody else here? Well, at this point, when we've looked at doing his will, it's a fair question to say, okay, Mark, I get all that, but I'm still trying to figure out what the doing is, what the works are. You said we walk in them, and I get that, but I'm at a point in my life where I just don't know what those works are. I'm there too, actually. And there's an answer for that in two ways. The first is this. There are a set of works that each one of us corporately are called to do. You only have to read the scriptures to find that out. Make disciples of all nations. Take care of the widows and the orphans. Heal the sick. Feed the poor. These are things that we can walk in now. We are called to be Jesus' hands and feet, are we not? But there's a second set of separate words, of works, which are specific to you and specific to me. And I do apologize. I don't have the answer for that. I cannot tell you what they are. But this is what I know. If you recognize a position comes first, that abiding comes first, and you say, Lord, I thank you that I am in you, <laughs> and I don't have to work to figure out where I belong. By the way, that is a liberating thought. Lord, would you reveal that which you have planned for me? Thank you that I can walk in them. God will reveal those works to you. For some of us, that might be just the number one message for us to hear this morning. Okay. So we've looked at the first part of purpose, which is doing his will. Walking in the works that he has prepared for us as we realize that we, all, we abide in him first. Let's look at the second pass, part of purpose, which is related. And may he work in us that which is pleasing to him. See, the truth is, God doesn't get in us doing stuff for getting sake. He's not a God that's sitting on the armchair watching TV saying, can you uh, get me a cup of tea, please? God doesn't need us to do, to do stuff. That's the truth of it. He loves doing stuff with us, but he doesn't need us to do the works. It's not about the doing. You see, this is what happens. As we walk in that which God has for us, he works in us. He works in us. And I look back at my life, and I look at the seasons where I've walked in that which God has for me, and I'm like, wow, Lord, you know what? It wasn't about the doing. It's about what you did in me. Have you seen that? The question then is, what is that? What, what does he do in us? It says that's what's pleasing to him. Well, we know what that answer is. It's in the scripture. Romans 8.29, it says, to conform us to the likeness of his son. 
We are here to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And the truth is that we find our greatest happiness and enjoyment in honoring and worshiping God in all that we do. We find the greatest enjoyment and happiness and fulfillment and peace when he works in us, that which is pleasing to him. We grow, we go from one degree of glory to the next, as as it says in the scriptures. That's what God's got for us. And that leads us to the third part of the purpose. Through Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. You see, this is how it works. We realize that we abide in Christ and our position is in him first. Then we can actually walk in the purpose that he has for us, as opposed to be driven the other way around and we miss out on the purpose. We work in the purpose and the works he has for us. And as we do that, he works in us that which is pleasing to him to conform us to the likeness of his son so that we may give glory to Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for that which you've done in me. Do you see the progression? It's not about the doing. It's about the belonging and being in him. 1 Corinthians 10.31, another scripture. This is, a, this is actually a really meaty verse. Hard to hear. So whether you eat or drink... I love the way Paul then says, in fact, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I figured he probably thought, right, I'll write a list, eat or drink, it's going to take too long. I just say, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's what we're here for, to give it all to the glory of God. Revelations 4.11. I've got a revelation verse here, do you see that? You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. He is worthy. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Do you need reason, anything more than that, to give glory to God? Some of you may have heard of the Westminster Catechism, or often called the Westminster Confession of Faith. Anyone heard of that? Yep, there we go, a few hands. It's a document written in the mid-1600s, and it formed the kind of doctrinal foundation of the Church of England. In fact, it's still used uh, most of the, the Protestant church today. And there's something called the Shorter Catechism, which is in the form of questions and answers. That's hence it's a confession. And, you know, in the olden days, in fact, they they taught it to the children because it's a great way for us to understand uh, theology, doctrine, the truth of God. And do you know what? The number one question is, out of 107 questions, anyone know? It is this. What is the chief end of man? Why are we here? What is our purpose? That foundational, fundamental why question. You see, even in the 1600s, they were asking this very question. Anyone know what the answer to that question is? I love this answer. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You see, we find our enjoyment and our fulfillment when we understand who we are in Christ and walk in our purpose. For some of us, we are operating outside of the manufacturer's purpose. For some of us, we haven't yet got that sticker that says fit for purpose. For some of us, it might be smudged. For some of us, it might be torn off. For other of us, we just haven't looked for it yet or accepted that God has a sticker for us. Well, he does this morning. He does this morning. And you know, what's interesting as we reflect on the growing family campaign, and Richard made reference to this earlier, as God is calling us as a body of believers to extend the boundaries of our tent, you know, to, 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 to bring in the lost, to, to feed the poor, to extend out the kingdom of God. You know, the truth is, 
When all is said and done, we are called to walk in the work that he has prepared for us. This growing family campaign hasn't just been you know, conjured up in our mind and thought, right, what are we going to do now? We're a bit bored. No. God is calling us to walk in this works. And that means that we need to walk in faith because, you know, as we think about what that means, it means we need to buy another building, one of these buildings here, so we can grow our physical capacity to do that. You know, we've raised already about, I think, 600,000 or so, and we need a couple of hundred thousand more before we're in a position to make the final offer. But God has prepared those works for us. We walk in them. Okay, let's move on. So we've seen our position, we've seen our purpose, and we're going to end in the next few minutes on the last part of this message, which is his provision. See, as I mentioned at the start, God doesn't just lay out a a plan for us and say, right, let's see how you get on with that. No, our God makes a way for that. So what does the text say about this? Well, we read that it says, equip you with everything good for doing his will. Equip you with everything good for doing his will. What does equip mean? How does he equip us? Well, actually, the answer is contained in this prayer because the preceding line says, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Now, we've already seen, have we not, that this blood has provided our position in God. It provided a way in which we can have peace with God. But the amazing, beautiful, wonderful thing is, is that same blood has also equipped us to move in that which God has for us. I love the way the writer here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is used as almost of a bridge between peace and purpose. Have you seen that? Equip you with everything good. I mean, it says in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1 that the same power that rose Christ from the dead is in us. You see, the truth is, the gospel message is that we're not all about, let's just get a ticket to heaven. Tick, I'm done. Thank goodness I can lay back. That is not it. That's not all of it. It's part of it. The other part is that God has a plan for us right now and here, and by that same power that rose Christ from the dead, that has given us access to God, is the same power that works in us as we walk in the works that he has for us. That is the truth of it. And how does that look? Well, I'll tell you, in my experience, it's not until we start walking in it that we experience the provision. It's a walk of faith. Does it not say we do not walk by sight, but by faith? How comforting to know that God has provided a way for us. And you know, at the end of this prayer, it says, through Jesus Christ. You see, it reaffirms it. Because the truth is this, it's all about Christ. It's all about him. Our position is in him. Our purpose is in him. And our provision is in him. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. I'd like to uh, invite the band up as we close. You know, as I mentioned a few weeks ago when I last spoke, God's truth demands a response. And by the way, no response is a response, actually. Because truth reveals us, reveals God, but it also reveals where we're at. And I know that for many of us here this morning, God has got got like a a torch on parts of our lives and he's revealed something to you. So what is our response? Well, for some of us, it's realizing that our position in God comes before our purpose, that we have become too busy doing things, trying to attain our position, when God is saying, no, just rest, abide in me, abide in me. And you know, for some of us, we may not have even made that first step. 
it might be news to us that there's a God that has a plan for us. It might be news to us that there's a God that loves us and not just created us, but actually has a plan and purpose for us. And for some of us, God is calling us to take up that position in him, to have peace with God. You know, for some of us, we need to accept our purpose. We need to realize that God has works for us. We need to say, thank you, Lord, that you do have works for me. Lord, would you help me walk in them? And for some of us, we just simply need to have faith that God will provide a way. You see, I suspect for many of you out there, God is calling you to do things. And you're like, well, Lord, it, it might fail. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm fearful. But God is saying, no, just make that step. Walk in those works that I prepared for you. And by the power of the blood, by the power of Christ, you will achieve all that, that I have for you. Or maybe it's all three. At the end of the service, on my right, your left, the ministry team will be there, as Richard mentioned earlier. And they would love to pray with you on any of those things. Now, what we've been doing in this series is taking these prayers and seeing how we can use them for our own prayer lives. So what I'd like you to do is please all stand. And what I'm going to do is model for us how we can pray this prayer for others. So let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you are our God of peace. That you are the initiator, not us. That you are seeking us. While we were enemies with you, you have made a way through Christ. I thank you that it's through the precious power of the blood and sacrifice that provides a way into, your, into peace with you. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose for each one of us. I thank you, Jesus, that you have works that you prepared for each one of us that we can walk in. I thank you, Lord, that as we do that, you're going to conform us to the likeness of your Son. You will do that which is pleasing to you. Oh, Lord, I thank you that for each one of us, you have a purpose and a plan. And that as we walk in that which you have planned for you, for us, we can just look to you and say, glory to your name. Glory to your name forever and ever. Amen.